Welcome to The Grange Point, where we hang out and talk about the latest news in science technology and how they relate to your everyday life. This podcast is brought to you by the Young Scientists of Australia. We're a youth organisation aged 15 to 25 whose work is to promote science to the youth of Australia. Large bursts of energy emitted in repeating signals across space. Now there's plenty of interstellar objects that can emit all kinds of energy, whether it be radio bursts or x-ray. And this week we look at a few of these, some that are repeating, some that are not, and some that are huge bursts of energy. And it takes a lot of collaboration to get enough data to study these things. Fast radio bursts and pulsars this week on The Grange Point. Mysterious signals from deep space are an easy way to capture the public's imagination. Because when you hear that, you immediately think, well, something must be out there and signalling to us. And especially if that signal is large in magnitude or energy released, and even more so if it's repeating in some kind of pattern. It can be pretty tempting to think that perhaps extraterrestrial life or something else more interesting is trying to signal or send us a message. Now, when we talk about these, we're often actually talking about fast radio bursts. And we've talked about this before here on the Grange Point, probably about 20 or 30 episodes ago. Now, fast radio bursts are these blips of intense radio energy that can be picked up by all kinds of telescopes, like radio telescopes in particular. And when we find these blips of insane amounts of energy that scatter across the sky, we can sometimes, if we're lucky and looking in the right spot, localize those back to a specific location. Because these blips can occur sometimes into fractions of a milliseconds before they disappear again. Now that's not true for all fast radio bursts. Some, like FRB 121102, was actually one of the three repeating fast radio bursts that have been discovered. The fact that it was repeating on some kind of pattern actually helps researchers not only figure out what it is and what caused it, but also localize it. And it's actually been identified in a galaxy around three billion light years away. Now, fast radio bursts really kicked off with the discovery of the Lorimer burst back in 2007 using data from the Parkes Radio Telescope here in Australia from 2001. The 121102 fast radio burst was actually discovered using data from the Akribo Telescope, trawling through the archival remnants and recordings of that. Now, these radio bursts are always pretty interesting, but the problem is because some of them are very short, some of them are very long, some of them are repeating, There's around 50 different competing theories for what's causing all of these bursts. And even more surprising is, well, that's larger, or almost larger than the number of actually detected fast radio bursts. Now, there's a number of unanswered questions about what these things are and how they work. But researchers from the University of Manchester, including Dr. Kashu Bradade, have published in the journal the monthly notice of the Royal Astronomical Society, studying in detail FRB 121102 to try and understand how its cycle, because it is one of the only three repeating bursts that we have identified, understanding how this one works and how its cycle moves or changes is incredibly important to understanding these strange interstellar phenomena. Now, if you want to think about why we might end up with these periodic bursts of data, radio waves, happening in some kind of uh, strange or shifting periodic fashion, the easiest thing to imagine is a spinning top. Now, it's theorized that there could be a number of sources of these large energy radio bursts, and most of the time people believe it's got to be something to do with stellar object, like a star or a quasar, emitting huge amounts of energy. 
and because of perhaps the wobble or the orbit of that particular star, you end up with perhaps a periodic signal. And if you ever spin a top and you'll notice that due to precision, it wobbles backwards and forwards around some central location. Just like the Earth, it doesn't actually spin perfectly around the center, it actually moves a little bit from side to side. The shifting in this axis of rotation is caused phenomena known as precision. Now, that may lead to the cycle and this periodicity of this burst changing. And that's one of the things that people have been investigating. Now, a lot of this study was done over a four-year observation campaign using the Lovell Telescope and an international team of astronomers trying to really get to the bottom of fast radio bursts. And they actually discovered 32 of them during this campaign and could gather more data about previously discovered bursts. Now, they looked in particular to try to get data on the 121102. And what they noticed about it is that it follows a cyclic pattern with radio bursts observed in a window lasting around 90 days with then 67 days of silence and then 90 days of noise and 67 days of silence. And this pattern repeats over about a 157-day cycle. And that's a pretty interesting thing because trying to discover the cause and the source of this fast radio burst is incredibly difficult. Now, it could be to do with the emissions of solar flares, a neutron star, a black hole, or a quasar. But having this kind of porosity is really what's been confounding researchers. And we only have a few of these that are periodic. It's important to note here that what might be causing this fast radio burst of all the different types that we've identified may not be the same thing. So there's 50 different competing theories, and there might be 50 different types of event that can cause these bursts. But repeating FRBs are most likely due to precision of potentially a highly magnetized neutron star. But even then, the wobble wouldn't necessarily lead to such a neat 157-day precision period. Now, this particular radio burst has a really long 167-day precision period, or cycle, which is much, much faster than one of the other repeating bursts discovered by the Chime Telescope in Canada, 1809-16. And that one has only a 16-day periodicity. So you can see that even amongst these few examples of repeating bursts that we've got, we still don't know a lot about them. And they can be very different from them. And that's the problem with small sample size. It means that you're really reliant and can draw conclusions from them, which may not be accurate of a full description of the phenomena. One of the major theories that are proposed in several places which has some evidence that to support it pretty strongly is that fast repeating radio bursts are formed by magnetars. Now magnetars are highly magnetized neutron stars and what you see in many different types of fast radio bursts is that the radio waves themselves are highly polarized. So something had to really scramble them up and give them very clear polarities. There has to be a huge reservoir of energy to create these bursts. Again, a neutron star has that at its disposal. And the short durations often imply some small object rather than a massive one, like a supermassive black hole. But that still doesn't answer how a magnetized 
actually produces these bursts of radio waves. Now, what could happen is an, an idea that magnetars are shooting out waves of electrons and positron pairs as a flare can combine to make this basically this big wave that we're picking up. Another example could be perhaps that the flares that are emitted from these magnetars catch up with another flare that's already been emitted. These two flares collide and produce this basically a bow shock between the two waves, which creates a large pulse of radio waves that are emitted. So the emission of this flare of all these particles from it travels out, and then gets hit by the subsequent follow-up flare, and so on and so on. And this creates a whole bunch of radio signals and frequencies that are just emitted as a huge burst. Now to try and prove that hypothesis, you often have to try to get an X-ray study. The problem is that when we use X-ray telescopes, that really only works if you actually get something nearby. If it's too far away, X-ray telescopes don't really work as well, and, well, radio waves are really all you have. So we need to have these events pretty close by in our galaxy to study them like this. And not all are like that. But this concept is one that's explored by researchers like Brian Metzger and Ben Margulit, published last year in the journal Monthly Notices of the Royal Astronomical Society. Now, coming back to this idea of repeating radio bursts, this hypothesis around the magnetars emitting these waves that catch up and flares that catch up with each other and collide creating this burst. Well, if you had a younger magnetar, it would emit a lot more of these flares. It's a bit more volatile and the magnetic fields are much stronger. So you actually get a lot more energy, which you might have this repetitive pulse pattern getting created by these flares and the magnetars themselves. Now that we don't know is the case for this particular 121102, but it gives us another idea and a way to investigate it. So next time you hear strange radio waves and signals repeating from space, yes, we don't understand it completely, but it's probably not aliens, at least that we're aware of, and we're pretty sure it might be a magnetar, emitting some flares, catching up with it, causing pretty spectacular bursts. But just like the wobbling of our own planet, Earth, leading to some of the changing of the seasons as we orbit the sun, perhaps we also have some wobbling of these magnetostars to actually create these unusual galactic events. Nevertheless, having these studies of these interesting and sometimes rare blips in space can show that having an observation is often just as important as not having an observation. And in a lot of science, you need to spend a lot of time proving the negative and capturing information about things when they don't happen just as importantly as when they do. And that's exactly what these researchers from the University of Manchester and their team have done. There are plenty of interesting interstellar objects that can create huge bursts of energy. And a great example of them is what's called an accreting pulsar. Basically, when material spirals into a distant neutron star, 
it can trigger a huge X-ray outburst, thousands of times brighter than our own sun. And that's what PhD candidate Adele Goodwin from the Monash School of Physics and Astronomy worked on together with from New York University, like Dr. David Russell, and Monash University Associate Professor Duncan Galloway. Now, this international collaboration of researchers have just published the upcoming American Astronomical Society meeting, as well as in the monthly notice of the Royal Astronomical Society. They're outlining how they've managed to observe over a 12-day period the way this accreting neutron star works. They watched as all of this matter and material spiraled down, circled the neutron star, and after the 12 days were up, formed a huge jet, a large burst of X-ray energy. And it's the first time a detailed, observed study in a lot of different measurement types and multiple frequencies with high sensitive instruments, including not just x-rays and radio, but also optical studies of such an amazing event. Now, this is great because pulsars and accreting pulsars, any type of large emission like this, physicists have models and theories. The only way to test those and understand them really is to actually put it to the test and see if observations line up. And it's great if you see the end product, the pulse itself, but to understand how it formed and confirm that your theory about how that happened is correct, you need to watch the whole thing take place. And in this instance, the researchers managed to capture it effectively in the act. It took around 12 days for enough material to swirl inwards from the furtheristic sense and then collide with the neutron star. Now, this is a big surprise for a lot of scientists because most people were predicting that two to three days max is all it would take for an accreting pulsar to get enough material to create this large burst. This is really important for researchers like Adele Goodwin because they can actually now get a good understanding of how accretion disks work, how easily they form and how quickly material moves around inside them. Now, this is only possible because they used multiple telescopes that are sensitive to different types of light energy. And they could trace that initial activity that happened near its companion star, shed off all this material, and watch it observe as it heads down towards that neutron star. It took that 12 days for all of that material circling that neutron star to actually be brought into a hot enough state to get that final spiral inwards to the neutron star and for the X-rays and the pulsar burst to be produced. Now, this particular pulsar that they were studying, SACS J1808.4, is all the way away, 11,000 light years to be precise, in the constellation Sagittarius. But this pulsar actually rapidly rotates around 400 times per second. So it's this huge pulsing lighthouse in the sky. And but this is the first time that people have actually point not just one, but two space observatories, the Niels Gels Swift X-ray Telescope and the Neutron Star Interior Composition Explorer on the International Space Station, as well as ground telescopes in Las Cumbres Observatory Network and the South African Large Telescope. So all of these researchers and astronomers work together to actually get enough data to show that this accretion disk, which is made of hydrogen normally, around 50% and 50% of helium, it took so slowly to heat up, which scientists suspect is the fault of the helium. It took a lifetime for it to warm up, to get hot enough to actually then fall down into the neutron star and create this pulsar. Now, 
Big research projects like this with large international combat operations are key to helping gather enough data in a variety of different formats to really prove theories. And there's something that may be possible with a whole bunch of other interstellar phenomena as well. There's some great research published in several journals and presented at a few conferences, as outlined, with lead author and research team leader Adele Goodwin from Monash University School of Physics. This has been the Young Scientists of Australia's podcast, LaGrange Point. This week we found out about fast radio bursts, how their wobble may be really nice and neatly periodic, plus we found out about accretion discs and pulsars. Our ending theme was composed by Audio Addicts. Head to ysa.org.au for more information about the Young Scientists of Australia.